And welcome to episode 12, Station to Station podcast. It's Subway Series time in the city. No Judge, no Alonzo, but still plenty of action. We'll have all of that and more coming up next, Station to Station podcast. This station is Station to Station. Everybody, I'm John Persapio, joined along as always with Brian Sarnelli. Brian, how are you? Not great. Not great. Not, I mean, really? Not not great. No, I mean, I'm I'm one of those people that I think lets their sport team control their overall general well-being too much. And when the Mets play well overall, I, I think everything in my life could be on fire. <laughs> and I'd be like, you know what? Everything's all right. No, it's going pretty good. Mets are having a pretty good year. The mornings are um, much easier that way. Yes. Yeah. Mornings are easier. Even if you accidentally fall asleep and you don't know the outcome and you wake up and you see that like box score and you're like, oh, they won last night. Um, I haven't had a lot of that lately. And I think it is. Uh, I think it's taken its toll on me. I've also been uh, I've also just been doing a lot of like just homework, been doing a lot of like painting. And uh, I think I've touched on that in the past here. And, you know, when you're doing a lot of labor on top of your normal job and your team sucks. It's just like the perfect recipe for, uh, for not a good time. So not feeling good, John overall, not great. Real blue collar guy. Let me tell you, see blue collar, you know, salt of the earth kind of guy, brick by brick. Get out of here. I take my lunch pail to work just like everybody else. I honestly, I was expecting you to be riding a little bit more of a high after the Mets win, you know, come on. So it's a walk off win. Listen, I, I know we got a lot of Subway Series baseball to talk about, and I don't know if it's just me getting older. Um, This might be a bad take. I don't really care about the Subway Series like I used to. And maybe this is a little bit of the Steve Cohen effect on me, where it's mm-hmm. it's breaking me out of my childish habits of being like, let's beat the Yankees, let's stick it to them. And I think that definitely existed when the, when the Mets were really bad, like in like 2012, 2014, that era, or honestly, you can name any year that starts with a two besides two seasons probably. But anytime they played the Yankees, it didn't matter how bad the Mets were. You were like, let's beat the Yankees. Like, let's stick it to these guys being like, you might be having a good year, but we got the best of you for a weekend. We were the talk of the town for the weekend. And, and I'm not going to act like that didn't exist. Like I definitely thought that way growing up where it was like, fuck the Yankees. Come on, let's beat them. But to the Yankees, this series really never mattered. It was always just like, it was always like a lose, lose for the Yankees. It was yeah. always, if you lose to the Mets, you lost a little brother and you have to mm-hmm. hear all the whining that they lost to the Mets. And if you beat them, everyone's just going to turn around and say, you it's beat the, the Mets. Mets. Right. You're supposed to, you're supposed to beat the Mets. Right. And for the Mets, it was kind of like a win-win because you're just like, hey, if you beat the Yankees, yeah, fuck them. Like, we're better than the Yankees for a couple days and like all that shit. But if you lose, you were supposed to lose. It's the Yankees. So that was definitely the mindset. I definitely got wrapped up in these series growing up. Um, I still think they're fun for the city. Like where I think it's a fun environment. I, I do think it's a fun spectacle. If you've never been to a Met Yankee game, I do recommend going to a Met Yankee well, game. Look at the attendance. I mean, it was yeah. great. The crowd was loud. They were into it. You would never know that these teams are, you know, are sitting nine games out of their division right now. That That's how electric that atmosphere was. I've been to a Met Yankee game at City Field and Yankee Stadium, new Yankee Stadium. Mm-hmm. And um I think the environment, honestly, at both stadiums is is pretty similar. Um, it's just it just shades, obviously, a little bit more one direction when you're at their home ballpark. But plenty of Mets fans in the ballpark when I went to Yankee Stadium. Plenty of Yankee fans in the ballpark when it's at um, yeah. City Field. So the atmosphere itself, amazing. the The vibe in the city, it's still a really fun time. Uh, some of the games over the last couple of years have been really fun. Like even just this two game series, like games were back and forth, high intensity. Um, a lot of action, a lot of cool moments, a lot of drama. And, you know, it's it's good baseball. It's good for the city. But, you know, I don't I'm not riding the same highs, I guess I used to when the Mets beat the Yankees. It just 
feels like another series now. And I think that's Steve Cohen bringing the Mets fans a little bit more to reality of like, Hey, like that's great. But you know, the Cardinals are coming in and we need to fucking get our shit together still because Houston's coming. Like, you know, I, I, the Yankee series snuck up on me this year where in years past, I was like, the Yankees are coming like next week or the Yankees are like the third week of July. And we start at city field. Like I used to mark Mets Yankees on my calendar. This is the first year I was like, Oh, we got the Yankees tomorrow. Right. That's cool. No, I agree. Same. I think that's a better place for Mets fans to be too, for our own development and our own well-being. And I'm sure there's some Mets fans out there that are on different ends of the spectrum, right? Same thing with Yankee fans. I'm sure there's Yankee fans that are like, fuck yeah, we got the Mets this week or we got the Yankees this week and whatnot. But I think you're more, I think a majority of your Mets fans are probably shifting more into the, the mindset where I'm now at. Um, but did I, did I nail the Yankee mindset? Is that your mindset with the Mets fans of or which, Mets, uh, Mets series about the lose, lose. Yeah. The lose, lose. And you yeah. know, like you never really thought much of these series. Um, yeah. What's a Yankee fan mindset on the subway series? I guess just give me like the overview. Well, you know, I'll be honest with you for the longest time. That was always how I felt, you know, exactly that it's a lose, lose. You, you win. It's all you beat the Mets. You lose. It's, you know, Oh, how'd you lose to the Mets? I think, more recently, especially now with Steve Cohen, you know, the Mets have high expectations. And I think that it has actually taken a turn. Now, what I'll say about this, I agree with you. The series did sneak up on me this year as well, too, for this first two. You know, obviously, we still have another two to play in the Bronx. But I think this series was actually nice in this, you know, from the standpoint that both teams came into the series limping, right? Um, after the series, now the Mets are two and eight in their last ten. The Yankees are sitting at five and five. Both teams major concerns, major concerns, and we'll touch a little bit more on that later. But to have these two games where you have both the Yankees and the Mets were failing to meet expectations, come together and play with that kind of an electric atmosphere because the fans are going to come regardless, regardless of what the record is. Yankees, Mets, it's a hot ticket in town. It sells. And it has almost like a playoff feel to it. And I think that was a nice little break from our problems of the season. You know, um, did some of those problems rear their head during these two games? Absolutely. But it just felt a little bit different. Instead of, you know, watching the Yankees fail to score a run in extra innings with the Manfred man against, you know, the Baltimore Orioles, they did it against the Mets. And it had a different feel to it. A little bit more urgency, a little bit more, you know, excitement to it. And I think that's what, as fans, we kind of needed right now. I don't know how much of an impact it has on the teens. Uh, do, how much do they care? I don't know. I, I, well, I'd, I'd, I'd like to think they do because I, I think you touched on it a little bit. And when, like you said, we'll get into the, the individual struggles of each team here in a minute, but I think it almost shows them like, this is a playoff like atmosphere, like you mm-hmm. said. And right now, the way that both teams are playing, playing definitely the Mets more than the Yankees on this, but it's like, if you want to experience this type of atmosphere, for the end of the season, for your playoff push, for actually making the postseason, you need to wake the fuck up. Mm-hmm. And that goes to both teams. And like I said, definitely more on the Mets side. But if you want this electric crowd and you want that energy of the city, you need to just straight up play better. And that goes just for both. And I hope that this was a little bit of like a sprinkle and a little bit of a wake up call to both teams being like, you're not going to experience this unless you step up. And I think the series itself, this, these two games, I think it really captured what the Mets are like right now and what the Yankees are like right now. Like the fact that they split, I think is just kind of almost like symbolic in a way where I think both teams have so many issues. So it's funny that, you know, the Mets lost game one in the fashion that they lost every single Braves game where it was like they were up big and then they blew it. And then they gave you so much like fucking cock tease and sign of life for them just to actually let you down and still lose. It was very much how they lost every game to Atlanta. And then the Yankees 
in game two, how you said the extra innings like shit, like it's just how the Yankees like have been struggling lately. So it was like the, you got to see the perfect examples of what it's like to be a fan of each team within just these two games. You got to see, like I said, you had a back and forth game, a seven, six game in game one. And then you had a really well-pitched game with Verlander and Cole, the former Astros vintage Verlander. Yeah. Going back to back. Like I, I think you said this off air, but every time Verlander plays the Yankees out of nowhere, you know, biggest dick in yep. the cracker factory and he just comes out and smacks you around a little bit um verlander but- could be 85 years old in a wheelchair if any team gave him a ball against the yankees he would shut him out like that's just the level of dominance justin verlander has over the yankees and i hate to say it because i don't like him being a former houston astro and he had success against us going back with the tigers too in, you know, in playoff series and in the regular season. So I'm tired of it. I'm absolutely tired of it. I got to ask you this. We're talking, obviously, this episode is going to be a lot of Subway series. Obviously, we're a Mets-Yankees podcast. That is when the Mets and Yankees play each other. We got to talk about some stuff. But can you give me some of your favorite all-time Subway series moments? My absolute, a little, uh, my a little absolute nostalgic. Favorite. My absolute favorite, a game I was at. I was in the left field bleachers, Yankee Stadium. It was 2009. I want to say it was June. It probably was June. It was right around this time. Um, I'm sitting in the bleachers. The Yankees are down by a run in the ninth inning. And Francisco Rodriguez is in the game pitching for the Mets. And Alex Rodriguez at the plate. Sounds familiar. Hits a pop fly to second base. And I remember I was sitting at that moment. Everyone was standing because I was just praying something good would happen. And I had Met fans turning around because it's, you know, it's a split crowd, at, you know, Subway Series. So I had Met fans all around me. They're turning around, flipping me off, yelling, oh, we won party in the Bronx, party in the Bronx. And they're looking at me yelling this while the ball is in the air. And I'm still sitting. And I jumped up in joy as I saw the fly ball hit Luis Castillo's glove and fall to the ground. And I jumped in the air and started screaming at the Met fan. And the Met fan just turns around like in disbelief. Like, what, what is this guy? What is this lunatic talking about? And as Mark Teixeira hustling the whole way, rounds third and comes home, the Yankees shockingly won the game. Favorite, fra- favorite Subway Series moment ever for so many reasons. That was my, my favorite. Okay. How about um, you? You know, I hate that moment because that I'm one, sure. that that one, one haunts me. That's like a yeah. haunting Met moment. K Rod. And Remember, also, I, I, dr- I once, I liked K Rod. Uh, he did a lot of weird shit too, though. Anyway, I dropped a pop fly once at baseball practice in like seventh or eighth grade. And the Yankee fan, my good friend, his name is Baz. And Baz called me Luis Castillo <laughs> for two years because I dropped a fly ball at practice while playing second base. And I don't think he even knew my name was Brian for a while. He literally called me Castillo for two straight years when oh, I first met him on, on that team. And that, that was stinks. that was horrible. So the least the Luis Castillo also him getting injured, like going down the dugout steps, like he broke his foot, yeah. like just all time, just um LOL Mets guy, uh, Luis Castillo. I'm trying to think of mine. I I think the weirdest Met Yankee moment is that the fact that a Med Rosario has a walk-off home run against the Yankees at Yankee Stadium in the seventh inning during the COVID season. What a weird statement. I know we've talked about this a few weeks back. That that so, really is one of the weirdest things. Wildest thing that's ever happened in Mets Yankees. Probably, probably that. I mean, obviously you have Roger Clemens throwing the bat at Piazza. You have a World Series against each other. Um, I love the David Wright walk off against Mariano at Shea. I, I think that's that's where you were I, going. I yeah. think that's a really cool one. Um, a lot of people know this. I'm a big Matt Harvey guy. Matt Harvey has usually done well when pitching up against the Yankees. I think he has like a 1.2 ERA. Like they put up a stat during the subway series of some of the stuff that Matt did. Uh, also, Matt was in house for game two. Did you know that? I Matt did. Harvey went to a game and now he's a real estate agent. 
Did you see when the camera cut to him, he was drinking a beer and quickly hid the beer? That's all right. <laughs> He's trying to. Matt's got to kind of but ease his it. way back into being a New York guy. Yeah. Uh, Cause it, it was a weird falling out. And I but, think, I think Harvey will want nothing more just to be a guy that can show up to like Ranger games, mech games and like be on the camera and do his wave and like everyone cheers. Right. I, I think we're easing into that territory where Matt will be able to do that. But here's the thing about Harvey, right? This is a guy who had a substance abuse issue, a well-documented one and was also implicated. In- Allegedly. Right. He was implicated in some other unfortunate happenings, you know, um, involving Tyler Skaggs of the Angels as well, too. Yep. So if truly, you know, I, if you have substance abuse problems, if he wants to take away the perception of him having alcohol, which could be considered, you know, an abusive substance, um, why, why would you even have a beer at the stadium in the first place? Or why would you sit somewhere where you can be seen if you want to, you know, enjoy a beer? And I'm not saying he was being irresponsible, but like, come on, you know, if you care that much that you hit it right away, don't have it or sit somewhere where they're not going to see you for crying out loud. Come down and do your little public appearance stage later. I mean, geez, Harvey, come on. Yeah, it just seems that he... For he as great as he is, he has all the talent in the world in so many different ways. He just he gets in his own way with so many different ways. I'll always oh man, you'll, you want to defend him to his death. I know I, that. I will. And you want to know something? This is like super lame. This is how sad being a Mets fan was in 2012, 2013. I I was in college mm-hmm. at that time, and uh I did a public speaking presentation about Matt Harvey. Because it was like um, the I think it was like a really general topic. It was like, do a presentation on someone that inspires you. And I and I picked I picked rookie pitcher for the New York Mets, Matt Harvey, just because he was like the first beacon of hope that we were going to get out of this like dark era of Mets baseball. Mm -hmm. He was he was the first piece. And I just talked about how like you know, like rooting for a baseball team, like always rooting for them, no matter how bad they are. But like this player is a, like, has like inspired them. We have like happy Harvey days and I don't know, like Matt Harvey pitching days used to be like a holiday. It was, an event. Fans. It it was, was literally an event, an event like where mm-hmm. Mets fans would just be like happy Harvey day and like would post it everywhere and like freak out. And even in, and this is going to sound like a take, and I'm not saying Matt was ever, ever better than Jacob deGrom, but a Matt Harvey start was a bigger celebration than DeGrom starts ever, ever were. And I don't know. It was just something special, like that little like three year window. Cause really that's all it was, was like three years. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I'll always be grateful for that time period, regardless of everything else around the, uh, <clears throat> the athlete. Now, coincidentally, around that same time is when the Yankees brought up Luis Severino as well, too. And, you know, they tried doing the whole Severino day for a little while thing that it was. Come on, give me a break. It was nowhere near what Harvey Day was for the Mets. But, you know, coincidentally enough, Severino was the guy who took the ball on uh, Tuesday night's game, the opener for the series. Severino, um, this is his another terrible outing. By Severino, um, this is getting to be you know a point where you have to start worrying if you're a Yankee fan. And for all the hooting and hollering Severino did about how the Yankees were handling him coming back from injury, he's fine, he's fine. Well, it looks like me, you know maybe the Yankees had the right idea. On Tuesday, Severino um, for the Yanks, he went four point two innings, lets up seven hits, six runs, five of them were earned. Um, he did have he let up one home run and had four Ks, walking three, but. You know, the Yankees were fortunate because as bad as Luis Severino was, Max Scherzer was on the hill for the Mets, and Scherzer looked even worse. Scherzer yep. only could go 3.1, letting up seven hits. You know, match Severino with six runs, letting up two home runs, didn't walk anyone, and only struck out two. So, again, more worries for both the Yankees and the Mets. And here's the thing about the Mets. I mean, Scherzer... He's got to turn it around now for the second game, which we'll talk about more in a second. Verlander 
gave you some optimism there. But Scherzer has just been an embarrassment for the Mets for as much as he's making. And don't forget, Scherzer has a player option after this season. Oh, he's opting in. Absolutely. I believe it's yeah. like $40 million. Yeah, $43 million. Yeah. So you're going to have to, the end isn't in sight with Max Scherzer. The Mets, the Mets are completely stuck with Scherzer and Verlander for this year and next year. And, you know, after every, they're like basically one good start followed by two clunkers, or it's like clunker, good start, clunker. And that's kind of how they both have been. Uh, Max gave us a sign of like two or three good starts in a row where you were kind of thinking that maybe he was done with this clunker shit, but he was never Um, dominant, but he was never dominant. And, you know, he's right back to it. And that has to scare you if you're a Mets fan, it really does. And, you know, I think the only thing that maybe you can try, and I've brought this up in the past and this really, this is an honest take, and this is not me waving the white flag at all. But you really got to evaluate where you are at the end of next month around the trade deadline. And if if Verlander, I think it's more Verlander than Max. I don't think anyone's touching Max. But if Verlander can get really, really hot over like his next three or four starts and you're not in it, if you have anyone calling, I think you have to trade him. I really, really do. And I don't think. I think you can trade him and still be competitive this season, mm-hmm. but I don't think that the Mets would actually trade him unless they were severely out of it. But I, I mean, I just, I mean, with the way they're going right now, I mean, again, I don't yeah. know if they will sell, but I think the top trade candidates for the Mets, if they do sell, it is a pitcher or it's two pitchers, but I don't think it's the ones you're thinking. I think it's going to be David Robertson and Adam Adovino. Yeah. There's always going to be teams calling for help in the bullpen. And now the year that Robertson has had and Adovino has, which by the way, they, they looked absolutely filthy. And Adovino now, he, he's introduced that cutter to his repertoire too. He's looked great. You know, there's a playoff team that will gladly overpay and take those two. And if you're the Mets, you're looking around. I mean, for what their payroll is, I mean, look at their players. They have kids starting all over the place. Like, where the hell did yeah. this money go? Well, that's that's a huge, huge thing, right, with this team is that everyone's like biggest payroll in the league. Right. But, but you look around. No one on the field is making that money. Yeah, there's no one there making that money. I mean, like, you got to remember Robinson Cano is getting 24 million of that. Um, and that's a Jeez. huge factor. But you got Lindor making like 35 million of it. And then it's Verlander and Scherzer who are doing 40 a piece. So out of nowhere, you're at 120. Uh, no, that's terrible math. That's terrible math. You're at 85 roughly for just Verlander and Scherzer. And then you add, no, that was good math. That was good math. I'm proud of you. That went full circle. That was good math. The good job. Pure I'm very joy. The pure yeah. joy you had Woo. in that moment. Wow. Still, you're gonna be still, talking about this one for a while, huh? Still, still got it, Miss Stangle. Oh Shout out God. my seventh grade math teacher who tried to fail me in math. Anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, it's just a lot of money going fucking nowhere. I mean, like they, I don't know. Oh man, I'm, I don't want to go down this rabbit hole. You talking us talking about the trade deadline and them and them being sellers mm-hmm. put me in such a dark place. <laughs> like I, I went down a like it, i don't even know you might if you were watching this on youtube you probably saw my face just like stare blankly for a second and i actually felt a pit in my stomach develop in in a brief moment because i'm thinking of everyone they could have traded i'm like adam, uh, adam Adovino, uh david robertson i was like maybe carlos carrasco gets hot and you could just trade carlos carrasco for a team needing starting pitcher depth like and i'm just going through everybody i'm like just trade them all trade every single one of them daniel vogelback they should just like just ship him out of town regardless. Oh, no God. one's taking him. No, um, but just trade, trade every single player, trade but, them all. You know, you talk about Vogelback. What is Vogelback's role with this team now? Because nothing. That's a great question. Right? None. He doesn't have one. And Buck on Tuesday night, he basically said, I don't want this guy on my roster. When you're in the ninth inning, you're down by a run and you're going to have Luis Guillorme hit against Michael King instead of awful right, move. Right. A righty. Instead of Daniel Vogelback, you're basically saying we're done with him. 
but he's eating up a roster spot, a precious spot hey, on that roster. It was a mental health week. He'll be back. Oh we'll be good. We're good. Oh my god, a mental, mental health, health week. Yeah, but see, like, and this is not to shame mental health. No, but, but he needs putting, so much more than that. We're putting guys on IL for like anxiety. Yeah. If he needs a mental health week, put him on the IL and just right. be like, hey, he's getting a mental health week, and bring up someone. Don't do like a a non like, hey, we're not going to call it a mental health week. There's not enough wrong with him to put him on the IL, which was Buck's quote. But but that point, sense. that point is exactly why I don't think this is, you know, Vogelback having anxiety. I think this is the Mets are done with him. I truly the, the Mets are done. All time, all time Vogelback quote. I don't know if you saw this. It did make me laugh because I think if I I think if I was in Vogelback's shoes, I would say the same fucking thing he said during this interview. They asked him about it. They're like talking about the mental health week and getting a break and whatnot. And then he just throws in like this little line where he's like, but if you really, if you really want to get technical, I have over a 50% hard hit rate. <laughs> just th threw in like a little number being like, oh, I'm at, like, I'm yeah. secretly mashing. Like I'm oh, like, I'm actually God. on fire right now. And no one, no one's acknowledging it. Like I, I'm telling you, that's sad. It's that's a tough spot to be in as an, that's a, that's a hard spot to be in as an athlete, mm -hmm. but to try to find a fucking spin zone like that. I gotta t I gotta respect it a little bit. You know, I think I, shit like that is funny because like it. I always used to give Mark Teixeira crap because when Teixeira would struggle, he would always say, "You know, look at the back of my baseball card. I'll be fine." I always hated that line, but that that one takes the cake. That truly takes the cake. Look at my hard hit rate. Fine, I like that shit. Oh. But I mean, like they're. Like you're right. Vogelback doesn't really have a role on this team, and he's a mess. And like your stars, like Lindor, has just been underperforming all year long and you know what though we can we can talk forever about him underperforming just like kind of like every other media platform is I, i'll i'll give you a positive on lindor here where that guy is available to the media every single fucking night yeah, no he is and he takes it on the chin and every answer he's ever given is responsible owns his struggles. I got to get better. The fans deserve better when he gets booed. His answers are fucking great. And you know, he's, he's somebody that is so easy to root for that. Like you get, I, I personally get frustrated when he struggles because I know people are going to go after him. And I think the person is phenomenal. And you're like, can you just fucking play well? Because God damn it. If we had the Cleveland version of Lindor on this team, he would be, a mega mega star mm -hmm. like a mega star like you would be talking about judge and lindor you would never mention alonzo you'd be like oh yeah alonzo's a nice player on the mets but you wouldn't you would just be lindor like lindor would easily right. be this team well uh, he hasn't just, performed he, he hasn't really been that but exactly uh, and, also, and i know we're in year three and don't forget when he first came the little stunt he was pulling with um javi baez with the whole, you know, uh, mock, see every the crowd. everybody that's not a Mets, everyone that's not a Mets fan, that's a bad look, jerks right? off to that. That's a bad look. Everybody that's not a Mets fan jerks off to that so much. I I didn't give a fuck about it because you want to know why I didn't give a fuck about it. They won that game. Yeah, but you know what? Win. You, you could boo me back. I don't care. Win. You can do whatever the fuck you want on that field if you win. But that's how I've always felt yeah. because we haven't won. I don't but, care, but, but I didn't take it as a bad look. I, I took it as something that was funny, almost like you're going to come after us. Like, boo, you look at us. We're doing well. I never took that poorly. Uh, I understand why people did. I get these, the guy, these guys it. are playing his salary. They're paying his salary. You're going to you're going to well, buy it when I buy it. When I buy a seven dollar hot dog, I'm paying Lindor. Yeah. All of it goes, all of it adds up. All of that adds up. Uh, you know, listen, Lindor, Lindor just got a snazzy new haircut. He'll be fine. Next week when we're talking on the podcast, we're going to be like, wow, Lindor really turned a corner. We'll see. I mean, uh, yeah, you hope if you're a Met fan, you absolutely hope, but he, he hasn't, he hasn't looked great. He absolutely has not looked great. 
Um, you know, real quick, we actually we're going to do something we haven't, you know, ever done before on station to station. At some point soon, we'll be taking a little break and uh, join you, coming back to join you again. But before we do that, any comment on Drew Smith? I, I think we just got to figure out what what's sticky and what's not. I agree. I really do. And I, and you know what? I'm not even going to think that Drew had anything other than the normal shit that everybody has. I don't know if you actually heard the quote from David Robertson after the game, the umpire actually told David, his hands were sticky too. Mm-hmm. I did, but they, but they didn't do anything with Robertson. Like when they felt his hands, he's like, Oh, your hands are really sticky too. And it's like, what is sticky? What's not, how the fuck are we going to determine this? And I watched every player in the Mets dugout coaching staff on the field, feel his hand. Mm-hmm. And everyone's like, everyone had the same exact reaction. Like, what are we doing here? And I don't know. And uh, here's so no, my my reaction but it was is, the same thing with Herman too. And when everyone was harping on the Yankees, I just don't have anything. I like Drew Smith. I don't think he's fucking doing anything that nobody else is like nobody else is doing. Um, I think it's stupid. He'll sit out his ten games. He'll own it. He'll move on. But whatever. I don't. I don't think he did anything wrong. Apparently there was even an MLB official down in the dugout who felt his hand after and said that they couldn't feel anything like out of the norm. But Here, here's can the I, thing. Can we also can we also just get Buckstraw Walter to defend anybody? Oh my god. I know. What's the quiet? You got to get wrong. I don't know what this is. I don't know if Major League Baseball is coming down on these guys or what. But the lack of just, you know, concern Your guys your guys that. the only guy who gets wrong. Right, you know, like, come on. And this is ridiculous. This is absolutely ridiculous. And, you know, again, I talked about this. I ranted about this for a while a few weeks back about how this is becoming a clown show now with this foreign substance thing because it's not foreign. It's rosin. It's rosin. And you're going to tell me that you can't have too much rosin. Well, for God's sakes, you can't have it both ways. Either it's legal or it's not. You know, and I've heard people say Michael Kay, announcer for the Yankees, says, well, here's the thing. Every player should come in with clean hands. You feel their hands. And if they're clean to start the inning, then you know that they're only using the rosin from the mound and you're seeing it happen, right? You're seeing it happen. Yeah, I, you know, I, I see validity in that. But what people aren't realizing here, and what Michael, I don't feel is realizing here is that. You know, that still doesn't stop the problem because, again, what if you have spider tack under, you know, your belt? You come in with clean hands and then you're hitting the rosin and getting a little spider tack on you. And then when they feel your hands after, hey, they're a little tacky. Oh, no, it's just sweat and rosin. And they never saw, you know, any other foreign substance. So there's not, in my opinion, there's no perfect answer. But what I think you have to do is you have to, you know, first of all, Say either rosin's legal or it's not. Enough with this too much nonsense. Either say yes or no. And then two, look at the spin rates. When they first started this crackdown, they talked about how MLB would be taking all these measures to ensure. And one of them was, you know, they'd be doing checks on the hands, which we see all the time. But they also said they would be checking spin rates and they would also be testing balls for, you know, scientifically to see if there's any residue on them. Well, to my knowledge, those other two things have not happened or are not happening. So what what was that when they said that we find out that, hey, they actually don't have the technology to do these things? I find that hard to believe because I can pull any Joe Schmo can pull up spin rate from home now. And how is it that, you know, for example, uh, Max Scherzer, Domingo Herman, Drew Smith, you know, we want to look at what was their spin rate? at this period and what was their spin rate after. And when we've looked at it, the spin rates have not changed on any of those pitchers. So it doesn't sound like they're cheating. And then enough with the umpires with the, it's the stickiest hand I ever felt. Shut up. All right. Clearly there's a few crews here that have either a, no clue what they're looking for. They're lost. They should have hung out with Pat Lavin in college. Why? What what sticky. weird thing did Pat do in college? Oh, geez. sticky hands. Oh, yeah. that was easy. You know, Pat's yeah. not, Pat's not with us today, so that I know that, he can't even defend himself. Can't defend himself. That that, just, that low blow. Kicking the man while he's down. 
Pat's traveling to Kentucky today. Two weeks ago, he missed an episode because he was traveling to Scranton and Wilkes-Barre. Today, he's in Kentucky. Uh, Ima- imagine getting made fun of and being in Kentucky. Those are two just horrible things that can happen. To that you. that is true. Where in, do you know where in Kentucky he's going? Did he say? I'm trying. I want to say this correctly for my Kentuckians, Kentuckyites, Kentuckyans, Kentuckyans, Kentuckyans. Sure. I think he's going to Louisville. 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 Yeah, yeah, that's how they say. It. They don't. They people, don't like Louisville. people in Kentucky. Shout out if you're a Kentucky listener, but they don't use like any vowels or consonants. Yeah, they don't all, actually use right. letters. They just move right. their mouth. Louisville. They move their mouth in the in the way they think the city should be said. It's an interesting place. It is a very interesting place. Have you ever been? I haven't been. I have a few um, a few friends, a few close friends actually that are from Kentucky. I've spent I've spent a lot of time in Kentucky, way too much. It's right. You have been to Kentucky. <laughs> I've been to Kentucky like yeah. a, a lot. Where in, and, where uh, in Kentucky? Bowl, Bowling Green. Bowling Green. Uh, Bowling Green. A couple different places. I've been to Louisville. Louisville. And another place I don't remember. Did you- there's nothing there. Like there's nothing. You just drive and there's just empty fields on both sides. It's so it's so well, fucking depressing. You have like, Corbin, the birthplace of KFC. Yeah, I, have, I'm telling, uh, dude, a Walmart there is like the mecca. Yeah, like they That's they the big literally thing on a Friday night, right? They literally go to Walmart and just bow in front of it, like, All right. Thank we're, you we're, so much for your rollover deals. We're going to you know on a Friday night. We're going to Yankee Met games. Um, you know, out in the town, they're going to Walmart. they're going they're going to the cornfields and they're going to get frisky and have uh some hard ice cream not Uh, even they don't even have soft served in kentucky everything's hard i didn't know where hold on that's what she said i wasn't near the board for that one yeah hey sorry well hey we're gonna take a quick break here we're gonna come right back we're gonna have more on the subway series and we'll uh be doing all that fun stuff in just a little bit station to station we'll be right back hey i'm walking here Hey, how's it going? This is producer Pat. You know, classic New Yorker. Bacon, egg, and cheese. The L.I.E. Uh, Joe de Blasio. Uh, just coming at you real quick from the beautiful city of Kentucky. Uh, Kentucky's not a city. Uh, it's a state. But I digress. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the Station to Station channel on YouTube at S2StationPod. And follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Hey, I'm walking here. And welcome back to Station to Station podcast. Uh, sorry about that little break, folks. You know, I was hoping that during the break, I can like make an AI version of your voice and have you like promote, you know, erectile dysfunction or something. You just do a little commercial and have the you computer. You should you should try to find something to plug in there because everyone listening on the podcast is not going to even the break is going to be so seamless. So right. You have to you have to fill that with something. So hopefully, actually, as I'm saying this, you just heard a you just heard something other than just John being like, hey, we're going to take a break. Be John being like, hey, we're back. Well, I'll be honest with you. If you're listening at home, you think, oh, wow, they're taking off. You know, they they sold commercials now. That's not the case. No. Yeah, no. Um, Money's tight. Please send any money you can (laughs) at any time. Now, Pat, producer Pat, as we mentioned, he's not with us this week. Rest in peace. Pat pays, you know, for the subscription service um, for our web conferencing. So without him, we have to, we have a time limit of how long we can actually record for until we have to end it. So we hit that mark, and that's why we had to take a little break, and we're back. Um, so full transparency, yeah, you know, if you want to a little peek behind the curtain, yeah, fun stuff. So we'll see what we fill that with. You know, if you're listening, you will know already. We don't yet. So that's always a fun thing. So let's talk a little bit. Let's talk a little bit more about the Subway series. Um, you know, game two obviously was a good night for the Mets. Um, Verlander looked great. Um, Cole pitched well as well, too. So you're happy about that. It was a good matchup there. But let me tell you something if you're a Yankee fan. Okay. I think um, with everything going on, it's easy to get a little bit distracted from the fact that the Yankees are without their captain, Aaron judge. And I'll be honest with you. I think you really got to start worrying. If you're a Yankee fan, it's really time to start worrying here. Uh, This offense is lost without Aaron judge. 
it's absolutely lost without him in it. Um, you know, for a while there, when Judge would come to the plate, you, you'd say great, and then you'd wait, you know, all right, how many more batters after he was done with his at-bat, how many more batters will we get Judge up again? Because he that's how much he carries the team. Without him, they're a completely different team. And, you know, I realize they put up some good runs against the Mets, but again, this is the Mets are a team that are 2-8 and eight in their last 10. And they struggled. They struggled with them. Both games were close. Now you're always going to have a, you know, a good competition in a Subway Series matchup. But you have Boston now again this weekend. Now Boston took two out of three from you at home, which was an embarrassment last weekend. You're going to do it again now up in Fenway. Um, granted, we're going to be getting Harrison Bader back if you're a Yankee fan you know, this weekend, which will be nice. And hopefully he can stay healthy longer this time. But... Um, you know, you, you're just holding your breath. And it, the news doesn't sound good about Judge. You're, you're hearing a lot of reports saying, you know, all-star break at best. And if that is the case, the Yankees might be sellers at the deadline too. Now, where it stands right now, you know, both the Yankees and Mets, the Mets are 10 games out. The Yankees are nine and a half games out right now. But it's a very different story. The Yankees are nine and a half games out. They're also nine games over 500 at 39 and 30. The Mets are 10 games out. They're 32 and 36. Okay. Yep. So very different situation on what's going on. Very different tune. And the Yankees are in on the wild card right now. So to say the Yankees could be sellers at the deadline, I think has more of a shock value than to say the Mets, because that's where the Mets are trending right now. Um, but the Yankees without Judge, and if Judge isn't going to be back until the the you know the All Star break, that's just you know two and a half weeks we're looking at until the deadline, and it might be too late by then. So I really hope that's not the case. I hope he can come back sooner. But one thing that scares the hell out of me is no one knows what's going on with Judge. Boone was asked about it this week, you know, how he's looking. And Boone said, I wish I could tell you. I have no information. I wish I did. What the hell does that mean? The manager of the Yankees is saying, I wish I had some information on Judge. Right? Again, now this goes back, I was saying a few weeks ago, where they didn't know if Judge broke his toe or not. You know, and we were four days in after, you know, the play in right field in Los Angeles where he hurt the toe. So there's some shady stuff going on right now. There's some real shady stuff going on with Judge. And I don't know if that's a good thing or not. I don't think it's a good thing. No, I, I don't think it's bad. Yeah, that's a bad thing. What it sounds like to me is that he's has a bro, you know, he's got a broken toe or no, they said he doesn't have a broken toe, but it's hurt bad enough that they think this is going to take a long time to heal. And they don't want to say that. For, you know, various different reasons, but, you know, fan support, you say judge is going to be hurt and he's not going to be back till August. Well, guess what? Your attendance is going to drop off. Your ratings are going to drop off, which don't forget the Yankees have an ownership stake in the Yes Network. So the ratings are just as important as the attendance numbers, too. So uh, something fishy is going on with that whole thing. But the performance on the field when judge is not in that lineup is bad. It's real bad. And the Yankees right now in their last 10 are 500 team. They're five and five. So if you're a Yankee fan, I think you really got to start worrying. Don't let the Subway Series distract you from it and start to take a real good hard look this weekend with Bader back when the Yankees go up to Fenway and see how that goes. Because if the Yankees drop another series to the Red Sox, I think it's time to hit the panic button if you're a Yankee fan. If the Yankees drop another series to the Red Sox, will you finally admit that when I said the Red Red Sox were going to be scrappy, are you going to admit that you think the Red Sox are good? No, because you didn't call them scrappy. You, right, you said they were going to be like a good team. Now, the Red Sox are a game under 500 in last place. They sit 14 and a half games out in the division. It's a good team. Well, oh, come on. They're not that great. <laughs> but they're better than the Yankees right now. And that's, you know, a team without Aaron Judge. Because without Aaron Judge, the Yankees are lost. You know, Willie Cal as good as Willie Calhoun has been these past few games filling in, you know, that's just another Franchi Cordero. He's not going to be sustained. It's a joke that you have, you know, Cabrera and left. You got Calhoun playing for you in right field. I mean, this this is in IKF in center field. Your, 
your outfield is like a triple A outfield. Yeah, it's terrible. and not a and not a good one. No, it's terrible. Now, IKF has been great, but he's not he's not a starting center fielder. He's just not. I'm sorry. So, you know, it's going to be very interesting here how the Yankees weather the storm without Judge. I, I, I'm expecting the worst. We'll see. It's going to be a fun weekend. Expect a live instant reaction from me on the YouTube channel this weekend, which, by the way, if you don't follow us on social, letter S number two, Station Pod. Again, letter S number two, Station Pod. Make sure to give us a follow on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter. Uh, subscribe to us on YouTube as well, and make sure to ring that notification bell to get alerts for when we do post new videos, because we do post new videos quite a bit, more than just our podcast. Now, I think, uh, yep. I think the Mets are actually going to do a better job without Alonzo than the Yankees will do without Judge. And I, the only, one of the main reasons for that is that the Mets were already underperforming with Pete Alonzo. So I think they're just going to keep underperforming and you're not really going to notice Alonzo's absence as much. But I think the Yankees are going to go from being a team that was playing well above 500 to playing 500 or maybe slightly even below 500 on, you know, if they really get cold. And I think that's going to be very, very noticeable. I know a lot of Mets fans are nervous without Pete, but I think we have Pete back by like the first week of July and you know, you go from there. I think the fact that that man is still leading the league in home runs and he's yeah, been out for like that, 10 right? days, like that's just pretty funny to like to look at. So it sucks that Pete's really, really special season is going to have uh, a chunk of it missing due to a hit by pitch, but it, it may cause them to chase at the, you know, the record too. Yeah. For all the fun storylines we were saying, it, yeah. you know, it seems more and more that we're going to be talking jets coming up here in a few weeks. Yeah. Yeah. You're not wrong, but you know, you just got to hope that, both teams can kind of weather the storm without their stars and and make it back. But right now Mets baseball is sad. It is Mm -hmm. bleak, but you know, I I think we've already talked about this as a Mets fan. You're, you're a five game winning streak from believing that they're going to go to the world series again. And that's just how this fan base really is. So you're one good series away from getting hot. They have to play the Cardinals next and then they have to go to Houston to play the Astros. And that is, um, that's not a fucking easy task. And I know the Cardinals are also one of those teams that have kind of underperformed early this season. I don't know. I just look at the Cardinals and still always think that they're a solid team. And I think how bad can you be when you have Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt, and they have some other nice pieces as well. So I think the Cardinal series is going to be a little bit of a dog fight. And then uh, you got Houston. But, you know, if they if they take both of those series out of nowhere, you're like, all right, they split with the Yankees. They took the series from the Cardinals. They took the series from the Astros. Things are starting to turn the tide. But if you lose the series to both, you haven't won a series in a while and things are looking bleak. So it's got to start somewhere, right? Where is the line? Where's the line with this New York Mets team? And, and are we going to wake up or are we going to keep falling? And when we wake up, will it not be late enough? You're 10 games out. You're 10 games out of the division. You know, the route to the postseason, probably for both teams, is going to be the wild card. Realistically, I think that's fair to say. But you never know. The Braves were 10 games behind the Mets at one point last year, and they came back roaring back. But, you know, that takes a really, really special team to do that. And I don't know if I'm looking at either of these teams to think right now that these teams are special. Until they show no. us otherwise, you know, you got to just kind of weather the storm, play around 500, hope you get a stretch that's hot and you can sneak back way into the wild card. And hopefully you're hot enough when you make the wild card that you can make something happen. But we're starting to get to do or die moments. That's more for the Mets and the Yankees. But like you said, without judge, we could very well next week be talking the same tune for both teams. Yep. It's unfortunate. It's an unfortunate state. We had a lot of fun storylines coming into the year. We're looking forward to it, but here we are. Uh, now, before we do a little bit of a look ahead on the schedule, you want to do something sweet? What do you say? I think I think this is going to be the first week that we have the same something sweet. Oh, yeah. What's I think that? so. So what's yours? Mine is the uh, the backwards or reversed boycott that they did over in Oakland. We have the same something sweet. This I knew it. We didn't have much going on with our own team. So we had to bring in another team and what better team to talk about than the Oakland A's. 
Yeah, I mean, if you've been following the saga going on in Oakland, it's been an absolute roller coaster. First, they you know they announced plans to move to Vegas after failing to reach an agreement with the city of Oakland. Then it looks like, hey, maybe this Vegas thing isn't going to happen as you know politics gets involved. They're doing votes; they don't have the votes. Um, you know, then the fans decide, well, we're going to do this little reverse boycott. And you know, in case you missed it. The A's, I think they had around 27,000 fans show up, which was by far the highest attended game for the athletics this year. You know, they had the open, uh, upper deck open at the Oakland Coliseum, and they, they did a really good job filling that park. And the fans came out, um, many of them, most of them wearing their green T-shirts that said sell, and they made their voice heard to have, you know, Fisher sell that team. And it ended up being an, an A's win that night. Their seventh win in a row. They're on go, fire. Go figure. Against the best team in baseball, the Tampa Bay Rays, who now just hit 50 wins today, by the way. Um, but first of all, I love what they did. I don't know if you saw it. Um, if you didn't see it, they were absolutely quiet. They were dead quiet. And then I believe in the fifth inning, then they decided, all right, we're going to make noise. And it was a thunderous, it, it, it really, it made such a stark difference between where they were and then what it ended up being. Mm-hmm. And the fans came out with a mission that night and they achieved it. It was very well done. Um, to anyone who says that Oakland can't be a sports city, you're wrong. You're absolutely wrong. Now, this is a city that lost the Warriors to San Francisco just a few years back. They lost the Oakland Raiders to Las Vegas. And now they're about to lose the athletics because also what happened the day after, um, you know, Vegas came to terms on the stadium. It was approved. Yep. So it looks like the A's are in fact out the door. Any last ditch efforts that were there are not going to come to fruition. Uh, But beautiful job by the A's fans. I, Listen, I, I hope if there is any way that they can stay, they do stay. Um, I think the owner is a joke. I, I still don't think he's the worst. I think Artie Moreno in Anaheim is the worst. I've been vocal about that. But he's right there as a close number two. Um, and maybe he does. Maybe he does sell the team. I don't know. I don't think you can trust the guy You know, with a 10-foot pole. But beautiful job by the Oakland fans that night. Yeah, I don't, I don't think the fans have anything to do with the move. I think it's just the fact that the city wouldn't build them a new yep. stadium and that, you know, they, they needed a new home. That stadium, the Coliseum is a, a joke, a dumpster fire. Yep. It's probably, honestly, you can make the take that it's probably worse than the trop. No, it is. I've been yeah. to both. Oakland's worse. So by far, you know, they, they didn't want to give you uh Oakland basically let every single one of their teams slowly leave. And uh, it sucks for the fans of those teams. I, I don't know if you're an Oakland A's fan, I don't know if you take it out on the team. You still an Oakland A's fan when they go to Vegas? I don't think under that owner. You know, if they so what do you do if you love baseball? Become a Giants. I gotta fan. just start rooting. For, I, I think that's worse. If yeah. the Mets ever left yes. Queens and like went to like Colorado or something well, random, well here you know would you know, I would we, I still I would still be a Mets fan. I would still we, I would follow them. We have you know we have an occurrence of this though. Uh, you know, when the Dodgers and the Giants left, you know, Brooklyn and the polo grounds, you know, not many followed. Then that also was a different landscape. You know, it was hard to follow teams back then, you know, when they did make the move to across the country. Nowadays, you can see any game anywhere. Now, Major League Baseball still has to get rid of blackout restrictions. Don't get me started on that. But, you know, you can follow a team anywhere nowadays. So that does make it easier. But, you know, this is a sticky situation, and I don't know. I don't know, but you had a lot of Dodgers and Giant fans that did become Yankee fans. You had a lot that held out and then became Met fans. So, I don't know. I don't know, Brian. Maybe maybe one day a team will come back to Oakland. I think that will happen. I do think that will happen. I, it may be 30 years we may be in our 80s when that happens, but I do think. Oh, God, I hope I'm dead by then. Yeah, you know, we'll see. 
we'll we'll see. Now, one thing that did come out today, um, and we record this on Thursday, or a little bit later in the week this week, by the way, mind you. Sorry about that. If you were looking for us on Tuesday, we pushed it back this week so we can cover the Subway series. Um, but Rob Manfred came out. And I don't know if you saw these comments, but my goodness, Rob Manfred, where it seems like he always misses the mark. You know, he, he struck gold with a few of these rules this year. But Manfred, oh, geez, he just constantly says the wrong thing. And I think I don't know what your opinion is on this. I have my opinion. Manfred came out in response today to the A's reverse boycott and his uh, his quote was this, and again, this is a quote. He said, it was great. It's great to see what is this year, almost an average Major League Baseball crowd in the facility for one night. That's a great thing. End quote. <laughs> like, that is the ultimate. <laughs> that is just the ultimate F you to the fans of Oakland. You know, to your question, who do you like? If I'm an Oakland A's fan, I say, fuck Major League Baseball. Fuck Rob Manfred. You're going to call a new sport. Right. Because you know what that Rob Manfred is saying that the A's fans are the problem by saying something like that. Now, indirectly, if his message was to say, well, no, you know, it's the stadium. That's why no one's coming out. You missed the mark, Rob. You absolutely missed it again. That seems like an attack on fans. And now Jeff Passan of ESPN, he had a quote that I enjoyed. He said, you know, he tweeted that quote and he said, this seems like a quote that would come, you know, from Twitter account, you know, Rob M's three, four, seven, nine, four, two, not Rob Manfred, the commissioner of major league baseball. What a fool. What an absolute fool. That again, Manfred has done a few really good things recently. And he's where I viewed him very negatively. Recently, I've had more of a light on him. But that quote, man, it makes it real hard to, to like Rob Manfred. Oh. I think that was the first quote I liked by him. Yeah, you, you like that quote? Yeah, I think it's a little big. I think if you got the position like he has and you could take a shot, take your shots. But at the cost of the fans, you know, really? Not the Vegas fans. Not the Vegas fans. That's, <laughs> that's, that is true. And again, you know, what the Oakland it? fans are an extra sprinkle on top. Right. You know, what, what is what is a commissioner's job? It's to make owners money yeah. at the end of the day. So he's going to protect Fisher. I don't get it. I mean, you know, maybe he has Fisher as some kind of uh, skeletons on Manfred and he's got to play nice to him all the time. But geez, I, I didn't like that one. Well, hey, that's a first for us. We both had a productive and same something sweet. That's a new record for us. So good job on that. All right, let's do a little bit of Proud a look of ahead. Let's do a look ahead here. Obviously, uh, Subway Series round one in the books. Yankees and the Mets both with an off day as we record this on Thursday the 15th. Then the Mets stay at home. They open up a three-game set against St. Louis. All right. Here, this is going to be a tough stretch for the Mets. All right. You have St. Louis over the weekend. St. Louis is a good team. You know, they haven't been great, but they're, they're always going to play you well. And they play, they always seem to play the Mets well, too, at that. Um, after that, immediately on that uh, upcoming Monday, the Mets fly out to Houston and have a three game set with Houston. Now, the good news is you have no Jordan Alvarez. He's going to be on the IL for at least four weeks. Uh, that is good. But, you know, the Astros still have plenty of ways to beat you, especially if you're a struggling Mets team like they are right now. After that, they do have another off day on Thursday and then uh, stay on the road against Philly. Now, you talk about when is this Mets team, you know, when's something going to snap? When's it going to change? I thought that happened when the last time they played the Phillies at home, uh, that great series they had, but then they came out and got swept by Toronto and Atlanta right after, back to back. Um, can Philly give them a little bit, you know, of a charge again? This time, you got to beat them in Philly and Citizens Bank. We'll see. Um, following that, though, the Mets do uh, stay or go back home. They have four with Milwaukee, and then they have a three-game set with the Giants. Now, the Yankees. Uh, again, off day today. This weekend, we talked about it. They go up to Fenway for the first time this year, open up a three-game set, all-night games against the Red Sox. 
Um, have an off day on Monday the 19th before coming back home. Three against Seattle and three against Texas before going on another West Coast swing to the, you know, previously mentioned Oakland Coliseum to take on the Oakland Athletics. I I told you about last week, uh, you know, the Yankees, how the Yankees weren't going to have a day game until um, Saturday, June 24th. Well, shit you not. Of course, because I said that last week with the crazy air pollution we had going on last week, we had the game uh, canceled and the Yanks had a doubleheader, one of them being a day game. Uh, hmm. uh, who was that against? Uh, the White Sox last week before that. So it did break that stretch a little bit here, but still lengthy night games. I- I'll tell you what, I don't like my weekends when it's all night games. I don't. Throws off everything. No, West Coast trips suck. You know, it, it's I miss the well, it's not only just West Coast, it's these primetime games. You have Boston for three games over the weekend, but they're all at night because you know the Friday game obviously at seven, but then you have the Fox game on Saturday at seven, and then you have Sunday night baseball as well, too. Back to back weeks of Sunday night friggin' baseball. Oh my god. Can I give a can I give a parting gift for our listeners? Yeah, what's that? Uh if I, if they like money. I'm going to give them a bet that they can make for tomorrow night's Mets game. If you're listening to this, it's going to be Friday night's Mets game. Okay. Guaranteed winner. John, if you got any extra bucks lying around, any extra bucks, you're going to want to put it on this. Ready? Okay. Mark Canna Mm -hmm. is going to hit a home run tomorrow night on Friday night. And why do you say that? Mark Canna is, um, I don't know how to word this properly, so I'm going to be careful. I'm really interested now. Yeah, it is. Um, it's Pride Night at City Field, mm-hmm. and Mark Hanna is a huge, huge, huge ally. Like, okay. reps everything. Very. I didn't, I didn't know that. Is there is there a reason why? I don't know his connection to mm-hmm. the um to the community, but he is. A massive ally, like he was wearing like a tied um a rainbow like Met shirt every day of Pride Month. He's been wearing like a different um like shirt and whatnot, or just like supporting and going heavy into it. And uh there's been some funny memes of him already because he had a pretty big series against Philly, and it was like the first day of June. Like he had a home run the first day of June, the second day of June. And um they were like, Oh, Mark Canna during Pride Month is like Barry Bonds. But the Mets are hosting their pride night against the Cardinals. And I just feel like, and Mark Hanna gave like a whole like hyped up video for pride night. So I just feel like he's going to hit a home run. Is Anthony Bass going to be at the ballpark? He might. Maybe he throws out the first pitch. Remember they were going to have him throw out the first pitch and then they cut him. That's (laughs) an all time move. He was supposed to catch it. Yeah. Yeah. All time move. That, that. That was, I mean, jeez. Oh, what an idiot Bass is, too. My God. But yeah, put put uh, put like 20 bucks on Mark Hanna hitting a home run tomorrow night. All right, that's quite the reason why. But um, if you come through, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what, I'm going to put money down on it. I will put money down on it. Um, it's your ass if I lose. That's fine. All right. I Pat, will pay. Pat will send you the money. Actually, everybody listening to this, if you put... Five dollars down on Mark Canada hit a home run, and he doesn't. Pat will send you five dollars. You just have to send him the screenshot of your bet. Uh, I feel obligated to say that that that's not real. No, it's real. Pat will do it. Pat will do it. If you're listening to the entire episode, you made it to this point. Pat will do it. First first five people that do it. Okay. First five people. First five. Send send us a screenshot that you place this bet for a $5 amount. And if it doesn't hit, Pat will send you $5. Okay. Also, if you're watching on Thanks, YouTube, Pat. I'm going to put $5 on it now just because Pat's paying for it. Well, let's, you know, Pat, he's got some money. The first five people to comment on YouTube saying, Pat, I'm in. You have to say, Pat, I'm in. If you say that, the first five, Pat will send you five bucks. Guaranteed. Watch this. Watch this be the week that we take off. You know, the, <laughs> the world, the world learns about station to station. We're, uh, we're broke before we ever can put out another episode. Well, Pat will be broke. Pat will have to cancel the Zoom subscription. Yeah, well, that's true. 
Shit, we have to keep taking those little commercial breaks in the middle. All right. Well, we hope you enjoyed episode 12, Station to Station podcast. It was great as always having you. Fun Subway Series edition. Hey, you know, we look forward to doing it again coming up here um, in July when the Mets come to the Bronx on July 25th and 26th. That'll be a fun time as well, too. Back to our regular schedule next week. Uh, episode will drop on Wednesday, next Station to Station podcast. Again, uh, if you don't follow us on the socials, letter S, number two, Station Pod. Once again, letter S. Number two, Station Pod, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and then make sure to subscribe to our YouTube. Ring that notification bell to get notifications and comment on the video. Pat, I'm in for your chance to win five dollars. <laughs> if the bet loses, if the if bet it loses, loses. yeah, right. if it wins, if, if it wins, if, if you it don't wins, get anything. right? You don't. Okay, you got you, you got, got the, the money from the bet, right? There you go. Alrighty, everyone. We hope you enjoyed episode 12 for Brian Sarnelli. I'm John Prasapio. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Take care, everyone.